I do. And I don't. It's a new week, Kat, and I know the week starts on a Sunday, but to us, it kind of starts on a Monday, doesn't it? It does. It does. And why? Why? Jeez. I actually have never heard that the week starts on a Sunday. You don't think that's true? This is news to me. No. You think the Sunday is like the last day of the week? Yeah. Mm, First day of the week. Look at a calendar. But isn't in the Bible, and on the last day, the Lord said to rest? Yeah, but that's why the Jews rest on the Sabbath. Oh. Which is the Saturday. Right. So everyone else has got it wrong. And that just shows how arbitrary it is. Okay. As long as you rest on one day, it could be a Wednesday. And then maybe God started creation on Thursday. To, to, to Tuesday. Well, I think we've already confirmed that we're not ruling our lives by the Bible over here. So let's start on Monday. <laughs> so like Monday it. is our, it's not a Sabbath because it's like you wouldn't be able to listen to the episode, the, the podcast True. on the Monday. So. True. And what is this podcast, Joel? Well, it's a religious edu- religion education podcast where we take questions from our listeners who have questions about religion, um, how they should bring their children up, and just general questions about the Bible, Torah, or Quran. I'm so tempted just to leave that there and just proceed with this episode. We should change the, we should reach 50 and and then then change the podcast to a religious, religion question podcast where we know almost as much about religion as we do about relationships. I feel like that would actually be similar. In in that case, you would be the religious expert because I am not. That's right. I, I have a little bit more experience in one religion. One religion, true. Um, so okay, but jokes aside, what are we actually trying to do here? <laughs> <laughs> well, Kat, I guess in a way, we're trying to make the world a better place. We are by answering your questions about intimate relationships. Mine. Not mine, Not the Joel's, listeners. The listeners' questions. And we keep these questions anonymous. In fact, I'm the one who usually weeds through them. And then Joel and I try to tackle them. It's not and usually, Kat. It's always. Always. I never look at them. Always. Joel never looks at them. And we tackle these questions because we feel like we have some authority to help you weed through the mud of intimacy. Because we why? Do. Why, we do. Joel? We feel like we have authority. Why? Why do we feel like we have authority, Kat? It's because we have a podcast. And um, <laughs> and by the way, we have just as much experience as anyone else, uh, if not slightly less. And sometimes you can come in on, on a situation with fresh eyes. It's true. It's like we're the friends that you don't actually... Um, get to ask about relationship advice because they've heard it all over and over and over again. Not only that, sometimes you're like, I can't ask about this. That's right. My friend, I'm going to see these people again. Ask us. Ask us. We'll answer anonymously and then you'll have like a lot of really good new information. But by the way, so this is episode 48. Can you believe we've done 48 episodes, Kat? Can you believe it? I can't actually. Like for somebody that, like, do you have stick-to-itiveness? Uh, I can have, but oftentimes I don't have. Yeah, and I I guess nowadays I feel like I do have more stick to than, like I've, uh, I'm going to have done 200 Snackable Comedy Bites. Check them out. Wow. <laughs> Instagram.com slash Snackable Comedy Bites, capping it at 200, um, which I've done since COVID began, and I thought I was going to do it till COVID ended, but COVID's never going to end, so... <laughs> I can't do them forever. It's exhausting. So, um, snackable comedy, 30 to a minute of hilarious comedy. 
quote unquote, um, every single day um, until October 1st. But you, you know what else I realized, Joel? What at? This is like right around the time we met last year. Can really? you believe? Can you believe it was only last year that we met? Wow. And we're so close now. Neither of us could keep a straight face <laughs> in that moment. No, but we do know a lot about each other, and we have s- s- talked about way more things than the average people that know each other a year have. I would say that's due true. Due to podcast. Yep. All right. Well, let's get on with uh, episode 48, question one. Okay. Question number one. Is it healthy to date someone new if you still have unresolved feelings for another person, and that person has never been available to you? Is it oh is it healthy? Yes. Um well what form is this new dating taking? That's what I would ask. So are if if you're hoping to uh develop a long-term meaningful connected relationship with a new person, you probably don't want to have unresolved feelings for the other person. Mm-hmm. Going into it. But if you just want to casually date someone and enjoy them, then yeah, there's nothing wrong with that might even help you get over the other person. How do you resolve feelings for someone who is not available to you? <laughs> I mean, that's a really good question. You're getting right? pushy, cat. I know. I, like, I guess I, I hate the idea of someone pining away for somebody when there's so many other people out there who could be really fantastic to connect with and partner with and have fun with. This is, so, this is like we should have talked about this last episode. It's, it's so in line with uh, what we were talking about then. It's this whole unrequited love thing that just sucks so bad. You know what I mean? But what is it that this person, like this person's not available to them? Are they not available to them like uh, entirely? Or are they just not available to them to the level of relationship they would like? It says that person has never been available to them. Like, but that can mean, you know, different things, right? I don't know. I didn't dig any deeper. It could be they're just sort of uh, aloof they're they're it's just not the name or they're completely not available i never get to talk to them we have no relationship whatsoever okay so let's assume that they do connect and interact but a romantic connection is not on the table nor has it ever clearly been right so yeah how do you get over that uh those feelings of unrequited love i feel like you gotta just close yourself off to that person just get away from them I would hazard, and in our previous episode, we were talking about cycles and patterns and unconsciously or non-consciously connecting with people who help you try to heal old wounds. Mm -hmm. When you are stuck in a dynamic where you are pining for someone who's not giving you what you need or deserve, you're replaying an old relationship from your past. Mm. Is this, and and are you comfortable there? Is that why? Nobody's comfortable there. You're not comfortable there, but it's almost like that's what you know. But you non-consciously relate that to the notion of love because that's how it was um, exemplified in like your early if, development. Let's say you had uh, somewhat of an absentee father. Right. And then you connect with an older guy who is quite aloof and, and distant in a lot of ways. But, you know, maybe you still sleep together or whatever. Um, that's not a satisfying relationship, but you're used to that. Yeah, you feel unsatisfied and and confused a lot of the time, but you're also stuck in the cycle because... Are you comfortable there? Like you're uncomfortable and comfortable at the same time? That's sort of what's happening, yeah. Mm. That's 
unfortunate. So I think I think step one is really understanding why you're stuck mm-hmm. in a situation where you are so deeply connected or loyal to someone who's not giving you what you deserve in a relationship. So that's the first step <laughs> in, in getting I agree, past. I agree with that. Um, and if you and if you uh, approach that and you say, "Yeah, this, this is this is just me going after these people that don't that are that are just yeah repeating that that past thing," but there's also the option that this connection that they have with this person is good, mm-hmm. and that they're like they really admire that person because there are people that you'll meet in your life. And you'll experience that you're just like, I am, I'm crazy about this person. Like I, they have the qualities I want in someone. They're just so amazing. I'm so attracted to them. But they just don't want you in the same way. Yeah. For whatever reason. And it's not, you're not even, you hate that. You're not, it's not that you're there for that. You just are crazy about them. And I think what that kind of can tell you is, oh, these are the qualities I want in someone, but I should be able to find them in someone else. Yeah. This person is a special person, but there are other special people. Yeah, that's so important to remember. I think that's a great point. Yeah, and they're, they're going to, there will be that special person that has those qualities. You can laugh as much with them. Mm-hmm. You can be as attracted to them. If you're, if it's a sex friend, for instance, maybe they make, can make you orgasm as many times, you know. <laughs> This person does exist. You have to find them. You have to leave yourself open for that and stop trying to make it work with this other person that just it doesn't connect with you in the same way. I think one of the things that keep people stuck in these, these kinds of connections is the fear that the person who has previously been unavailable may suddenly wake up and realize that they do have feelings, that they do want to explore. So I think... What happens if there's a fear, like if you connect with someone else and it works really well, that suddenly this other person's going to wake up and be like, "No, but I love you." There, yeah, that that's like I almost want to say that hope is the stupidest thing you can possibly have. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I've seen that ever on a mug. Divorce hope. Divorce hope. Get out of like stop hoping. Hope is your enemy. Hope is what makes you do stupid things. Hope is not a good thing. If you hold hope in one hand and shit in the other, <laughs> which hand is more full? Yeah. They're the full of the same thing because hope is shit. That's the, <laughs> that's the twist. Um. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And like we can't. Mm. But this is the thing. If you, if, if, if your dream, your horrible nightmare comes true where you've connected with this person and then two weeks later, your your old the old crush comes back and goes, "Oh, I noticed that now you're not messaging me as frequently, and you are actually spending time with someone else, and it bothers me because my ego is being fed by you." Then um, you've connected with someone else in the same way. You win. Yeah, you got the thing you wanted from a person who wants to return it to yes. you and who was there to show up for you. Yeah, embrace it. Don't worry if the other guy comes back. He doesn't matter. No. And by the way, even if like if you if you abandon the new relationship and go, "Yay, I can have this guy that I always want." It's not going to work out. I got news for you. 
Yeah, because I think it's not going to be last. If it was going to work out, that person would have had the resolve to be able to meet you and see you. And for whatever reasons, they can't. Mm-hmm. And I think it's wholly acceptable. And in fact, I would encourage that you date other people. Yeah. Stop being stuck in someone's potential. Yeah. Do not fall in love or attach to somebody's potential unless those people are your children. <laughs> good talk. Very good advice. Everyone everywhere, please repeat this to yourself. You cannot fall in love with someone's potential. Mm. Even if there is a point in this person's life where they can grow and open and accept and receive love in the way that you would like them to, they may not be anywhere near the same timeline as you and you will have wasted your precious time in this short blink that we are on this planet pining over something that you may never, ever, ever get to experience. Has that ever happened to you, Kat? (laughs) Why? Does it sound like it's really resonating? Yes, it has. It has happened. I think it's happened to so many people. And what ends up being the case is that you, yeah, you waste that time. And I I think that uh, the whole what we've talked about in a positive way, sex friend relationship dynamic lends itself to this kind of um, sort of stuck position. Yep, absolutely. Where And so they're very dangerous because you, you go, oh my goodness, I really love, oops, everything about this person, dang it. And then the other person's like, we were sex friend. Remember that was what was on the menu? Yep. And it's like, no, 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 but what if... Yeah, I do this for five years and then uh, you change your mind and we get married. Here's an exercise for everybody. Take stock of who you're currently attracted to and or in relationship with. Do you have a really clear sense of what you want from an intimate connection? Is this other person trying to or able to satisfy a decent percentage of those wants? <laughs> If the answer is no, are they ill? Are they grappling (laughs) with a huge life event? Are they being crushed by the weight of COVID in a way that you are watching them work through actively to try to get to a better place? If the answer is still no, you are wasting your time. And I would add, if you do not know what these people are capable of giving you, if it isn't clear what their intentions are and what they want from you. That also means that they don't want what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're totally right there. They, if you're like, ah, but I wonder, they, they, they don't. If they're telling you that they want to show up and be there for you. Yeah, that's when you believe them. And they are not behaving oh, in that way. That's true too. Action. If they are in fact pushing you further and further out of their life and not actually showing up when you need them to, mm-hmm. You are wasting your time. Move on. Move on because you have one precious moment in this life and you are wholly worthy of what you yearn for. And by the way, if you aren't really in the market for a relationship and you just want to bone and you got somebody fun to bone, hey, go for it. Absolutely. And like I think there are many moments where both people are totally aligned with that and that's cool for everybody yeah. involved. Yeah. But if that's not the case... You have to be realistic. Yeah. You and have as, to be honest. And as soon as you get a, an inkling that, oh, I like this person a lot, back up. Yep. You know, it's very dangerous, these matters Protect of the your heart. heart. Yeah. 
protect your heart. If you're courting someone and they're not ready yet to be in a relationship space and you feel yourself getting more and more attached and yet the other person is communicating that they're exhausted, they're not ready, they're still processing, back the truck up. Beep, beep. That's also a heart monitor. You're dead. (laughs) Your heart will be crushed if you continue to move forward. (laughs) Question number two. Question number two. (laughs) Uplifting question number two. I have been reading a lot about attachment theory in adult relationships, and I'm realizing that I'm in a relationship where I'm anxious attached and my partner is avoidant. Is there any hope of healing this and finding a way to exist peacefully together? Boy, our listeners are so educated in the way of relationships. Some of them really are. And they still listen to us. And they still listen to us. <laughs> That's the big surprise. What's the question? <laughs> <laughs> you actually want me to Somebody's read it again? anxious. Somebody's attachment attached. style is anxious and their partner is avoidant. Avoidant. Do you know what that means? Well, we've talked about it, but um and but and then what's the question? How do we what? How can they heal this dynamic and find a way to exist peacefully together? Ah. Uh, uh, yeah, so you want to review these. So are those the only two types of attachment? There's three, right? There's three main attachment styles, and then there's slight variations of Some each combos. of them. So but like for the purpose of this exercise, I want to just focus on the three main ones. If you want to know more about attachment styles and how they play out in adult relationships, there's a book called Attached that's really interesting that you can read. Uh, and again, a grain of salt because... Nothing is firm or fast yeah, in the yeah. world of psychology. Like mm. there are just a lot of really interesting theories. It's called the soft science for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. Kinda... Exactly. It's there's a lot of fluidity behind a lot of these ideas. So mm. the idea is that the three attachment styles are anxious attached, where you are constantly in need of reassurance that the relationship is okay and that your role within the relationship is okay. Right. The second style is avoidant attached, which is when you start to feel someone being needy, you want to back away and and take space for yourself. Mm -hmm. So the needs of your partner or closer intimacy makes you want to retreat into yourself. And then the third style, and I guess the most ideal style, is secure, where you don't feel like you're compromising your sense of freedom in a relationship, and you don't feel like you need steady reassurance in the relationship. So... Yeah. So these people are at complete odds. They're they're complete opposites. Yeah. She's like, or we don't know who it is, but he or she is one of them. <laughs> the person, one person. One of them is like. One person is like. Oh my goodness, I need reassurance all the time. Please tell me you love me. And the other person's like, whoa, you need to be told you're loved? Something's wrong with you. Run yeah. away. Yeah. So it's a really tricky dynamic. Um, How do we heal this? Well, I guess com- communication. Next. Well, I think I think that first it's like a really um, important thing to understand your partner's attachment style and why that is their attachment style. Right. Because these things usually come from how we attach to our caregivers in our childhood. There it is again, that cycle. Mm. So, um, and it requires work on both parts. So my simple answer is it cannot be healed unless both people are really willing and ready to dig deep into their own past and understand their own behavior. Right. Also, um, we can agree that the third one, what was it called again? Secure. Secure is the healthiest of the attachment styles. So we should all work towards that 
attachment style. I think I think it's a good goal to try to emulate a secure attached mentality. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it can be incredibly hard to deprogram yourself. Sure. What I, what I would suggest instead is that if you are an anxious attached person and you have an avoidant partner who is not willing to do the work mm. or incapable of doing the work, that you find either someone who is secure or someone who is also anxious attached. Yeah, so you can be codependent. Now... <laughs> <laughs> There's that word again. Actually, I would say that the codependency comes up a lot more strongly in the anxious avoidant relationship. Mm, that makes sense. Two two anxious attached are just like clinging to each other. Yeah. While the Titanic sinks. Yeah. Um. So, what would Rose have been? Rose from the Titanic. Yeah, she though? would have been anxious attached, and then Leonardo DiCaprio, whatever his name was, he was avoidant. That's why he let himself drown, and she was just like, <laughs> "I'll never let go, Jack." <laughs> Am I wrong? You know, you might be right. I think that that was what, that's the whole point of that movie is to show you what anxious attached looks like versus avoidant attached. And how codependency is going to drown you yeah. both. He's like, I'll just, I'll just sink into the, uh, the icy water now. Thanks, babe. He's also a narcissist, I think, too. Didn't he declare that he was like the king of the world at some point? What a dick. Oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> I think that's because he was in love, Cat. Sometimes it makes you say stupid things. <laughs> Does it? <laughs> I've never said a stupid thing in my life. Ever. I've never been in love. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah, so I guess there are ways to heal. In fact, I think the entire world of couples therapy probably deals with this all of the time. But this is what... So your kind of bottom line is you can move on. Find somebody that that mirrors your attachment style. My take is I'm going to go back to both of you need to be aware of your attachment styles, which is what Kat said. But know that neither of them are that healthy. Yeah. Get together on getting into a secure attachment style. Yeah. Like that's the really, the only way to fix it. You don't have to like, in a sense, you 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 don't have to like ignore your anxious thing and try to uh, accommodate his avoidant thing. And he doesn't have to be like, okay, I know I'm avoidant, but let me try to, you know, sort of uh, cater to her anxious thing. Come together on both independently trying to be secure. But that's exactly what you would be doing if you were trying to become secure. I know. <laughs> but it's that's a different way of it's a different way of thinking. Yeah. So instead of feeling like you're sacrificing yourself, you're actually focusing on healing to become more secure. Yeah. You're not going like, okay, she needs this, so I'm just gonna do that. You go, I'm I, I have this. a problem. Yes. I need to be secure. There you go. I have a problem too. I need to be secure. Yeah. What does that look like for us individually? And then if we can both work towards that, then those other things will happen in a healthy way. Yeah. Yep. However, if you've reached the point of utter and complete exhaustion, if with the other each guy's other, like, hey, you know what? I-, I like being avoidant. Get off my back. Then go, all right, bye. And this is this is a really important thing to take stock of before you enter into any kind of couples therapy. How tired are you? <laughs> It's it's a really good question. You're in such a mood today. I really am. It's the How exhausted how, how, are you? How tired are you of the dynamics in your relationship that have been hurting you and causing pain? Do you have the capacity to stay where you are and do the work? Are both of you able to still stay steady and connected? in whatever way you can while you do the incredibly hard work of relationship therapy? Cuz if you're really well beyond capacity, it's not going to work. Is there something to be said for like somebody who's addicted 
to that hits rock bottom and goes, okay, I need rehab. Is there something where it's like, okay, all my relationships are failing. I've hit rock bottom. I am exhausted, but damn it. I need couples therapy with this person. It's going to work. I need this. I need a, I need a solid relationship. I need it to last. Do you, do you think people like, it's not going to work unless you know that you need the help and, and you, you know, you're ready for it. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm -hmm. Is that something that you think there's a parallel there? Or just give up and find someone better? <laughs> well, it depends. There's like so many variables. Are you married? Do you have children? No, it, I'm not. But so, or no, it, I get it. Like hypothetically, yeah, sorry. In this scenario <laughs> that we're talking about this hypothetical. Sorry, so, I blacked out for a second there. Because like even if you're at rock bottom and you're so exhausted and you just know like you need to do the work, but you you also need support in doing that work. Mm -hmm. So like if you are in an anxious, attached avoidant attached dynamic and you're hitting rock bottom and your partner is like completely checked out. Yeah. You both need to be there. How, yeah. how are you going to find the resolve? What, are, what are you even doing the work for if they've gone to the other end of the world? No, this is what I'm, I'm agreeing with you that like the, both partners need to be in that same place of like with, with someone that has addiction issues that goes, okay, I'm ready. You know, both partners have to say, I'm ready. Or like, yeah, I I have work that I need to do. I need to heal in order to be able to show up in relationship. If both partners aren't there. Fuck it. It's, it's not going <laughs> to work. It's just not going to work. Like if you're in therapy in the hopes that the therapist is going to prove to your partner why they're crazy and you're yeah, not. Yeah, bad. It's not going to work. Bad, yeah. Oh, I feel like we're saying a lot of no today. <sighs> You know what? I, I don't. We're not being. We're not being completely clear. We, we've we've given some certain ideas, so I think we should leave it. it. They can go. I think if we move towards this secure thing, let them believe that that could happen. It could happen. Could happen for sure. It could, could happen. happen. Maybe you should end it. Moving on. Even if you do end it, you should still move towards finding security. There you yeah. go. Question number three. Here's a challenge for you guys. Mm, that sounds fun, but I doubt it will be. <laughs> How does one clearly identify the personal work they need to do in order to make relationships work? Ooh. What are the things that each of you need to work on to be the best partner you can mm -mm. be? Mm -mm. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> Joel is None of your business. shaking the shit out of his head right now. Uh, I'd like to remain anonymous on this. Uh, <laughs> you get to remain anonymous. I have to tell you the work I have to do to have a relationship. Get off. So Joel is going to work on vulnerability. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but here, let's, let's go back to the more neutral question. Okay. How does one clearly identify the personal work they need to do in order to make relationships work? Yeah, how do they, Kat? If you look at the scope of your relationship history, there will be some common themes that keep coming up. So then we have to answer the next part. <laughs> well, I Is mean, that the whole thing? And this is it. Like you may constantly be in a situation where your trust is compromised. Hmm. You may constantly be in a situation where you feel perpetually disappointed by your partner. You may be in a situation where you feel like you give all your energy and space to their passions and their pursuits into taking care of them, but you get very little in return. You may be in a situation where you have a really lighthearted approach to life, but you're constantly in relationship with people who are just like sucking the energy out of you. It, so you're 
theory has always been that you are perpetuating a cycle. These are the people you're choosing because you're used to that or whatever, and you you keep on going back to the same pattern. What it, what is what could it could it possibly be that people are always going to let you down, and that you have to learn to maybe not rely and go back to your favorite what's her face Esther Perel who is who's saying like don't rely on your partners so much for everything exactly and is there a is but there that a- even that reliance on someone to satisfy your needs speaks to a time in your life where the person you most needed to take care of your needs was not showing up in the way you needed them to but like I'm just wondering if anyone ever does show up for the other person of course they do but not consistently a hundred percent of the time so Will that always be the case? Or well, until are you, you gonna start find that person dating that, robots. Yeah, it yeah. is. So, so for in, sure. So, if you go, oh, I'm just perpetuating a cycle. No, you're just engaging with human beings. But there's a difference between your partner making a mistake and hurting your feelings and creating disappointment, and your partner making a mistake and hurting your feelings and creating disappointment so extreme that there is no coming back from it, and mm. you just are like, how could you do this to me? Sure. Right, and and that doesn't have to happen. You're right. That's not the rule. And it's it it's, kicks off this like total reactivity, and self protection, and breach of trust. When and, it, and you carry that. Yeah. 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 What's the question? <laughs> How do you identify the patterns that you need to work on, or the yeah, personal so, work that you need to do? So you you have to. Th- those are the conversations you almost have to have with yourself, where you go, what. Are okay. Is it just like problem with human being issues, or like am I picking a bunch of dickheads always because I that's what I feel I deserve, or you know, am I uh, not respecting myself enough to you know be patient to hold out for what I truly need and want in a relationship and in love, and so you just have to ask yourself some hard questions. Yeah, there's and like many of those things could also be true at the same time mm-hmm. like maybe you're you attracting be completely fucked <laughs> we all are aren't we yeah you can be attracting the wrong kind of partner for you because you have a challenged sense of self-worth you could be um, creating barriers to intimacy because you're extremely reactive in conflict and therefore your partner doesn't feel like they can actually be vulnerable mm-hmm. with you mm-hmm. you can be perpetuating mistrust because you have already decided that everybody you're going to be in relationship with is going to break your trust. We've spoken to that too. Mm -hmm. These are so, so yeah, it's important to look at externally at what other people have done or do and ask yourself who you're choosing to be with. But then, yeah, also equally important is to look inward and say, what are my behaviors? Yeah. And how are they damaging or, you know, maybe they're not even like on the surface level, they don't look bad, but maybe they teach a person how to treat me if I'm too, too much of a pushover, let's say, or I don't stick up for myself or, you know, so there's a lot of things to look at in your own behavior that can put you in those difficult situations. So where do you need to work? Um, well, what did you mention? Um, being, uh, vulnerable. Yeah. 
feel like I'm perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe I am a little bit too liberal in my people are disposable sort of um, philosophy, you know, where I go, mm, if it's not working out, bye, you know, like I'll be very lackadaisical in that way, even even though sometimes it really bums me out or is very upsetting. <laughs> it's just like I know it's, okay, this can't work. How do you know for sure that it can't? I think it's more that I believe that it can be better. So it is hope again. Mm-hmm. But in my case, it's not hope that keeps me. It hope It's hope that drives you drives away. me away. It's like the idea that, no, I there is this you know, uh, light at the end of the tunnel or this grass that's greener on the other side of the fence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not to say that like when you find something good that works for you, I'm always like got a side eye to find something better. It's more that like if somebody doesn't tick the boxes, I'm, I'm not going to be like, yeah, but close enough. Mm, so know. it's this idea of settling. Yeah, and I and honestly, it's hard to say that that's bad or good. Like I am single later in life than some, not as late in life as others. Have you ever heard about relationship schemas? Mm, no. So there this is this is a byproduct of acceptance and commitment therapy, which is also called ACT. And in relationship, ACT looks at the different schemas that we develop about relationship that are like really ingrained in us. Mm -hmm. And one of them is unrelenting standards. So that if things are not just so, they are impossible. I think that I like certainly would have some of that, no question. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I I don't know if people respect the... uh, Myers-Briggs test, but Mm -hmm. I'm an INTJ and part of that personality trait, which I do know to be true in myself, is that we'll analyze systems. Like we we, um, create systems, we build them for ourselves so that we can navigate the world. But if those systems are challenged, we don't just say, well, no, that's my system, back off. I mean, there's probably a bit of that but if we will go, what's that you're saying? Let me take it on. Let me see what it looks like against my system. And then I may have to change the system mm-hmm. and, I, and adjust and then move forward. And I know that in my life I have um, developed different perspectives than when I was 18 years old. Right, hopefully. <laughs> you know? Yeah, fingers <laughs> crossed, right? Or even in my 20s. Like those things do develop where I go, oh, okay, I can think differently about this. Um, but yeah, not necessarily, uh, flippantly or haphazardly. So, you know, there may be a a unrelenting standard, I think for some things, sure. But I think that they're probably not bad things. Um, but anyway, Kat, what about you? (laughs) What? (laughs) What did you, whatever the question is? 
what do I need to work on so that I can be the best partner I can be? Yeah. So this is was this was a huge revelation in my personal therapy recently. And that was this articulation of my personal values, particularly in relationship. Mm-hmm. And then really actively and physically looking at how various things that happen in relationship are either in alignment with those values or are misaligned and recognizing when that happens and how it's almost like self-abandonment if I persist in a relationship that has me behaving so far outside of what I value. So I think that is a huge step for me is like being really aware of what's happening in the present situation in my relationships and whether or not I am aligned. Um, Another one for me is being able to access empathy when I am activated. Mm. That has consistently been super challenging for me. And I think because of my background in trauma, um, I have to almost insist on something like imago conversation when things are potentially volatile or emotionally loaded so that there's actually a framework within which I can listen in the way that I want to be able to listen to my partner. Um, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with leaning into that. I think that's why we develop these tools, right? So mm-hmm. that we can oh, sure. better communicate. And then the trust piece is forever going to be a thing that I have to work on. But what I'm really truly learning is to trust my own instincts, which is, again, very much tied to this thing of values. Like if my relationship is pushing me outside of what I value, I have to trust myself to be able to recognize that and either really address it in the hopes that it's going to shift with my partner or trust that I can make a decision to remove myself from that relationship and have made the right decision. But part of the first thing you mentioned and this last one, the question I have is why uh, do you stay in those things? And I know that part of it may be the hope of change, but is it like not wanting to be alone? No, and that this is a lot of people have asked me about this because I think that's a, a quick conclusion that people can draw, and it, I'm sure it's true for many people. Mm-hmm. I love being alone. I spent a lot of my childhood alone and really became quite comfortable in my own company. But but being having solitude and then also knowing that you're alone and that you don't have a person that you can just like go to or or ha- come have come over, you know, are two different things. Mm-hmm. I like solitude. I I kind of hate like we're heading into cuffing season folks <laughs> like you want to have a person for that <laughs> for what season cuffing season what's cuffing season cuffing season is when the weather gets cold it's not hot boy like i was having hot boy summer where i got okay. a haircut and i was hot yeah so you know hot boy it's like hot girl summer but for boys i see okay. you've heard of this no okay i'm just gonna go with it hot boy summer um it, there's a song called hot girl summer I okay think. <laughs> okay so I was having hot boy summer where I was hot and the theory was that I could uh, girls would be into me. Uh, did I was I successful? It's neither here nor there. But then cuffing season comes along and you're like I don't want to be in hot boy summer. You want to be cozy with I one person. I want to be cozy with one person. Mm-hmm. It's cuffing season. You got to get get cuffed. Right. Um so like there's, like handcuffed to someone else? It's not it's well that's probably what it sort of means okay. but it's not in a kinky way. Okay. It's just like like ball and chain kind of way? No, cat. In I'd, a way that you're like com- I'm fixating on the phrase rather than it's the called sentiment. Cuffing season it means you're 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 
beholden, not beholden. You're you're with a person. Okay, you're connected you're to one person. To, to one person to one for person. for the winter. Okay. Um, so it's cuffing season, and you know it's so nice to have somebody that's just like you have them. They're your person. It's warm. It's cozy. And when you don't have that, you don't feel anxiety. And when you do have that, you don't go, oh, I don't want to lose this. I don't That's think not part of it for that, you? That was not part of it for me. Interesting. That was definitely not part of it for me because I was so lonely in that relationship. That's the, that's the irony. I was so lonely. I feel less lonely now that I'm not in the you relationship. You can be in these relationships and feel incredibly lonely and then sometimes still be like, yeah, but if I end it, I'll be lonely too <laughs> no like for me I you don't th- feel that way i think I, I felt that i think for me it was like just hoping at some is that fucking hope word again mm. hoping at some point that the tide would turn that there mm. would be like a realization or an awakening or something um and but is that the faith in the other person you admire them so much you you've grown close to them you've connected with them so much that you can't just let go of that idea like you need that to work with that person no a lot of it is my own tendency to project shit onto other people so like i meet someone i see what's beautiful in them mm, it's right that potential thing again I, I see the most beautiful parts of them and i feel them too in a deep resonant way and i attach to that too quickly rather than seeing it and thinking wow they have some beautiful qualities I like what I'm seeing here but what else is there before my heart is given away so I have to slow down that process and again all of that comes from having to fight for the love and attention of one of my primary caregivers as a child. Mm. So in in hooking myself in right away as soon as I see something good or see their interest in me I'm desperately hoping that I'm going to heal this dynamic from when I was a little girl yeah. on some level. So sticking in it is hoping at some point the tide's going to turn. I'm going to get the love that I want. Mm-hmm. But then eventually what happens is that it becomes lonelier than being alone. So it's not for fear of being alone. It's for fear of what happens if I just give up on that story and decide I'm not going to ever get that love from that source this is the this is the like true definition of hopeless romantic <laughs> it's true you hear you I've hear lost that all hope. you hear that term <laughs> i just i don't mean in your life forever i mean in that situation yeah you're hopelessly romantic yeah it's true and it's just like no stopping romantic yeah and Let romanticizing someone and not really mm-hmm. Falling in love with the full scope of who they are. I, I feel like I'm like the reverse of that where I'll be like, you know, just see someone's picture and then infer like all of their attributes. <laughs> <laughs> and be like, this is an amazing person. I already love them. And then you're just disappointed, 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 disappointed <laughs> till it ends. <laughs> could take two weeks, could take three years, but it just, just is a series of disappointment. disappointments. So, and then that was a good question that was posed to me, like, because the other person starts to feel like something's deeply wrong with them when they're perpetually disappointing you, right? And maybe somebody else could totally appreciate them exactly as they are. Anytime that I'm like ending things or whatever, it's always, these aren't, I don't want to even tell you why Mm -hmm. I am not interested in continuing because it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. All of the things that I'm sitting here saying are not for me are just arbitrary things from me. Like yeah. They're just my own things. I mean, I've had exes where it's like, no, you got, you got problems. <laughs> you need to do <laughs> You got to work on some things, kid. But, um, but like for the most part, 
you know, and I, and I think that's more uh, early days when you realize, okay, this is there's no reason to say this is why, this is why mm-hmm. I don't like this because why give this person a complex over something that's completely normal and fine? Just let them be, yeah. you know, which they hate because they're like, just tell me. <laughs> I need closure. Like, no, you don't need to know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Guys, thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> For another uplifting episode of I Do and I Don't podcast show. <laughs> you can send more depressing questions to... That wasn't a depressing question. No, I think it's But I guess really it isn't fair because we, we have to talk about our flaws. Introspective and like beautiful. I think the hope comes from like what our own potential is in growing and expanding. That's where you should be putting your hope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or in God. Um, <laughs> why are you laughing at that, Cad? Um, so guys, take care, have fun. Don't forget to pray and, uh, join us next Monday for our religious podcast. I do. And I don't show podcast show where we will answer your questions about relationships, mainly with deities, but sometimes with other people that, you know, you know, that have genitals, um, send your questions. I do. And I don't show blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, there's two types of Monstera tetraspermas. Don't laugh at the word sperm. Um, one of them is a little wider and one of them is a little narrower. And one they created out of a tissue of the plant instead of like a seed or whatever. And the now other I'm one's... just thinking about sperm and tissue. Anyway, have a great week. <laughs>